A Moment of Hope, brought to you by the Star of Hope Mission in Houston, ending homelessness one life, one family at a time. Hi, this is Scott Arthur, and on today's edition of A Moment of Hope, we're going to reach out to the people who, well, reach out to the people. Sounds confusing, I know, but it's not. It's actually inspirational. Keep listening and find out why. Now, you might already know that even during the pandemic, Star of Hope continues to provide services to about, oh, a thousand people a day. And that includes the men and women that you see on the streets, you know, in tent cities, uh, on park benches, in the woods, sleeping on doorsteps. Star of Hope has a very special team that visits and interacts with these people on a regular basis. And I'd love for you to meet them right now. First of all, it's uh, Ray Walker. He's been with us for about two years. And John Hall, who's the baby of the group, he's been with us for about three or four months now. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to have you here. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. So first, tell us, why why did you sign up for this? I mean, what are your backgrounds, Ray? So my background was completely different than this. Um, You never know where God's going to lead you. I'd I was in the automotive field for years and ran garages, uh, managed shops and everything. And then I had, uh, in my past, I had some addiction in my past. So it really changed my heart for those that are in addiction, those that are struggling. And it was a a pathway of a a few years to get to here, um, but it was a a leading from God. And I'm here to try to show hope, that there is hope that people have a hope in a future. And Star of Hope is just a wonderful place where I can do that. How about you, John? Uh, Well, my background is um, in law enforcement. I was in law enforcement 20 years and had the uh, blessing and opportunity to uh, transition from there and go work with uh, at-risk students in the school district. Um, And and, uh, I've been an associate pastor and youth pastor um, for local church in the community, and I work with a lot of um, doing a lot of evangelism, and so that's where I really got my heart for evangelism and and uh, serving the least of these, and so um, I did that for a number of years, and I would actually um, I had a, a a business where I printed T-shirts, and I used to go out in the community and minister to people out on the streets with my own van. I would go to local churches and partner up with churches to try to get resources to go out and minister to people on the streets. So I really, that really enlarged my heart for what I'm doing now. Uh, God really prepared me um, uh, with doing that and going under the bri- bridges and under the freeways and in encampments, talking and praying with people and encouraging them. them. Um, so I, I've done that the last 15 years, and so this is just um, the next step in my process of being able to serve the least of these. This is an extension of what you were doing before. Yes, sir. Okay, so you guys answered an ad, and you wind up in a Star of Hope Love and Action van, driving around the city, visiting the kind of people that, well, most Houstonians would walk across the street to avoid, and you're changing lives. I'd like you to take a few minutes and explain to the folks exactly what you do. Right, you start. So every day, the first thing that, that John and I do is pray. We pray for who God is working with, uh, touching their heart. We pray for divine encounters, how we are going to be able to, to uh, touch these people. Um, we, we do set out and have certain areas that we cover every day, uh, but we are, we are actually trying to meet some needs, build some relationship with people so we can help them figure out the barriers that are standing in their way. 
there is a lot of different issues with people out on the street and and not everyone out there is in addiction or or just needs to get a job there's several different issues in life and each person is differently you we can't look at them all the same and so we try to figure out with them a plan to to move forward in life to to eliminate these barriers and simply try to give them hope um a lot of times people see um people out on the streets and they have pre preconceived notions about who they are and what they're dealing with um they they you know the perception is you know they're just out you know just drug doing drugs or just how you know having you know addiction issues and 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 no every person has a, a story and it's really exciting to meet people where they are and get to hear their story and we get to uh like Jesus did, Jesus met people where they were, and we get to meet people where they are. And once we meet them where they are, we get to start. Uh, the outreach gives us a blessing, uh, blesses us to get in their business. So we go and we meet a physical need, and as we meet that physical need, then it opens up opportunities for them to share what's going on in their life, and then we get to assess how God can use us to help them uh, through Star of Hope. Oh, it's not just you guys giving out blankets and water and saying, have, have a nice day, Jesus loves you. Uh, it's a deep dive into what they want, who they are, and what they need. Absolutely. Yes, right. yes, indeed. Describe some of the different people out there. I mean, I mean I've met people who are former vice presidents of companies, uh, people who are just victims of uh, bad financial choices. Well, I've definitely, um, I've met some people out here on the streets and um, um, definitely got some, some amazing stories of people um, that have, They've they've worked for different companies, worked for different corporations. I've I've met some people out that have gone through uh, um, um, separation and divorces and and been broken homes, abusive homes, a lot of different situations. Um, It's amazing the stories that you meet. And and I don't have any preconceived notion. I just meet the people where they are and I'm excited to be able to see how we can bring hope into their their current situation. Do you guys have any... Anyone in particular that comes to mind when we say uh, working with the street people? Uh, anybody that really sticks out in your recollections of what you do? Yes, sir. Um, it's kind of emotional. Um, there was a man named Charlie Parrish, a, a big man. Uh, he t- towered over me by about at least two heads. And, um, and Ray is very large, by the way. <laughs> um I, I met him. He first came into to Men's Development Center at Star of Hope. And he was very withdrawn and very closed up. He had walls up. And over a course of, of time, I invited him in to my office and just tried to uh, get to know him a little bit, just build some relationship. And... We, we, he was also inquiring about a housing assessment to try to move forward. He, he is disabled. Um, but he proceeded in telling me about his life, the way he used to be before God changed his heart. There's just so much that, that I could say about his past. It was, none of it was good, and he, he recognized that. But at a certain point, God changed his life. And he was directed to the Star of Hope. God drew him to the Star of Hope. This man, over a series of a a month or so, opened up. 
he put down his walls and he would come in the office and I remember the one specific time where we we were praying and we were talking and I shared my testimony with him also and Charlie broke down and started crying and said I need to get some stuff off my chest and I don't know why I'm telling you all this but I've I feel like I need to tell you and he just laid it all out about the sin in his life about where he was and how he thought and how it's so much different now and how his heart is so full and he feels like a a new creation he feels just like a, a different man Charlie was at Star of Hope for roughly a year and a half and I walked that whole time with him just uh, two weeks ago, I had the privilege of picking up Charlie from Men's Development Center and taking him to his new home. Mm. And I say it was emotional because he, I mean, we just hugged and we didn't want to let go of each other. We've, we built a relationship centered around God and, our, and our, the love that we have for each other and, and for, for all those that are out there hurting. And that I will always remember Charlie. And it, it just it made such an impact in my life. And, and it's just one story. We are encountered in several different stories with several different people in a process of building relationship and, and moving them into their homes or moving them forward or giving them hope. That, that's what I'm understanding. And a lot of people don't know that even if they know about the Love and Action Band and the team that uh, does such incredible work, there's a process. And you start with developing a relationship. Tell me how this works. I mean, you, you find a guy who has been living under the bridge for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And he has reasons for living that way. Maybe nobody has reached out to him or maybe he is just determined to live that way. And over the course of six months, maybe a year, you're able to work with him, go through the process, and get him into his own apartment. Right. Tell us about that process. So, like you said, first it's about building relationship. Um, the, the first couple of times that we say, I'm going to help you, or I'm going to help you get your uh, a homeless outreach ID, or help you get your Social Security card, because most of the times they've lost all their documents or they've been stolen. So they're really in a, in a hole where it's difficult to get out. So the first couple of times that you follow up and do what you say you're going to do, they begin to trust you and they begin to see you as a friend, someone that is really looking out for their interests, someone that they can trust. So there, there's a process of getting all of their IDs, uh, getting, uh, you know, the voter registrations, getting, you know, with all the restrictions right now, especially during COVID, Social Security offices is closed. So we've got to get either medical records or somehow to prove they are who they say they are. And it, that takes time. It takes a lot of time. We encourage them along the way. Um, then, then there is housing assessments. There is um, help with if they need to be on some mental health meds, if they have any kind of disabilities at all, be it physical or mental health. Um, we look at a person holistically, their, their mental health, their, their physical health, their spiritual health, especially we are ministering and showing God's love the whole time. It's, it's different for different people, but 
I've had people where it took a year to get them from the time I met them until I'm helping them move in. And I, and I like to be there when they're moving in and help them put their stuff in their house and, and take a picture of them and, and, and say, this is your home. This is what we talked about so many months ago. You're here. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Does word get around the homeless community? They go back and they say, listen, you need to listen to these guys because look where I am now. Trust them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Word does get around on the street. Once you help, the first time you help and get a hot ID, even a simple thing like that, mm-hmm. they look at it and they say, wow, they see their picture. And they, this is something that they haven't been able to prove their identity. And the word gets around to the encampments, to their friends, because there's a community out there of people. They help each other and they look out for each other. So, yes, the word gets around that this guy is good. Star of Hope is good. You can trust Star of Hope. It's Hope, not hype. Exactly. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. John, what are some of your experiences? Um, well, I had the pleasure of getting my first um, man into uh, men's development center. Um, we had a partnership, and, and what we're really excited about is building partnerships with other agencies and other community partners in the community. And we had, uh, we're blessed to work with the West Side Division, um, with HPD. And um, through them, they connected us with um, some clients out on the west side of town. And um, I met this gentleman named Jeff, who was living underneath the uh, freeway. And um, basically, uh, we went out and did some engagement with them, um, leading by the uh, west side division, and got a chance to meet Jeff. And he was a homeless man sleeping underneath the uh, freeway and uh, in some blankets, wrapped up in blankets and and uh, um, a little mattress, you know, and had his food and a little bag. And uh, wasn't very talkative, um, kind of just um, wasn't very open. But, I, you know, I was able to go there. One of, one of the things I enjoy is, is, is uh, building relationships and encouraging. So I went there and encouraged him, built some relationship with him, gave him some outreach uh, supplies, and just basically told him, I got a chance also to pray with him. He allowed me to pray with him and told him we would be back out there from time to time and check on him. Well, we got a chance to go back out there a few additional times after that. And then I had told him about the Men's Development Center and the program and got it and, and gave him that information. And he was excited about a change. Um, he was out there basically because... He, he had a few daughters that he left back behind. He had a business. Things didn't work out with his business, so he left his daughters with his mother. And he ended up coming down here and restarting his life over. And basically, he's out here by himself. Mm. So that's kind of his story. And um, so definitely uh, um, I wanted to encourage him that God had another plan for him to get him off the street and get him hope to rebuild his life so he eventually can get back involved with his daughters. And um, so I went by there one day and I promised him and told him that this is the day we could get you in. Be ready and I'll come back and pick you up. Well, the most interesting thing is when I went back there, um, you know, Jeff was asleep. He was laying on the ground. You see beer bottles and all the stuff around him. He had no shoes and no socks on. And so I woke him up and then we said, Jeff, today is a day that I committed to coming back to get you to take you back to the men's development center. So he wakes up and stuff. He's looking around at his stuff and he says, uh, 
someone stole my shoes and my socks and my bag. And I said, well, Jeff, I can get you some more socks and I can get you some shoes. I'm sorry about your bag. And he says, well, um, it's this that time. He said, this is all I have. I, I, I don't know where. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if I can leave. He was he had anxiety about leaving. And I, I had to realize that this is his home. This is where he had been for months and months. And so this is what he knew. He said, this is all I know. This is all I have. You know, how am I going to leave this? I said, God's got a better place for you. You know, you know, you, you take a step towards God. He'll meet you where you are. You have a bed and, and, and shower and get all the things that you need back at the men's development center. So it was, it was a really touching uh, time. For, from him trying to separate from that moment. So it took me probably 35, 40 minutes to get him just to realize that he was leaving his, his, his that's his home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it was a big deal for him. And finally, um, he gathered his few things. Um, I was able to give him some socks. And he got in our Love and Action van, and we were able to come down to back to Men's Development Center. And that was on a Monday morning. That's typically when we take men into the program and uh, drove him down to Men's Development Center and took him into the intake department where he was able to uh, uh, talk to someone about getting into a program at, at the Star of Hope. Went by the men's warehouse. We have a warehouse where we keep a bunch of supplies where our generous donors donate uh, uh, outreach, uh, hygiene kits and clothes, shoes, um, just People from our area, Houston, is so generous. We have just a bunch of things that we can, you know, help share the love of Christ with. And I found him some shoes. I said, Jeff, I'll be back. And I went back to the intake department and, and, and gave him some shoes. And to see the, his face to put on a pair of shoes um, was just, just a blessing to me as he was doing his paperwork and putting his shoes on at the same time. So um, that's just wonderful. And... He actually got accepted. They let me know that he was accepted into the program there. Um, I went the next day or two to recheck back in him because he had to go into quarantine. And after quarantine, he looked like another person. It was amazing. He had this long beard and uh, kind of scrubby looking. And, and they shaved him and cleaned him up and everything. He got a shower and, and gotten freshed up. He had a new attitude and a new spirit. I said, man, wow, just a few days in God's presence and amongst God's people just really, really cleaned this guy up and uh, Jeff up. And so just excited. And I I got a chance to probably a week, week and a half later, I saw him at the nurse's station. And um, we just gave each other a fist bump, you know. And he looked at me. I said, how's it going, Jeff? He said, I'm just taking it one day at a time. But he had that look in his face of hope. The look at his face of encouragement that God was rewriting his story. And it just I'm just so encouraged by that. Folks, you can't see it, but the big old smile on John's <laughs> face right now. And, and, and that's what you guys do. Yes, Sometimes sir. you touch lives and, and most times you change lives. I mean, you get up in the morning and you say, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. You pick a, a, a destination and you start relationships. You work on existing relationships and down the line, you change lives. And you, you guys probably have hundreds of stories like that. Last year, how many people were actually taken from under the bridge and off the streets into their own apartments because of the Love in Action van? So far, well, last year, I, I 
I started a little bit late in last year in this position. Mm -hmm. um, but there was probably at least 100 people that I know of. Uh, I know I personally, I helped about 20 people last year off the street and, and helped them move in. This year so far, um, we just finished helping a, uh, the, the Coalition for the Homeless and City of Houston. They actually closed down a camp which was a good thing, um, moved these people into their own homes mm. and uh, just gave them all a lot of hope. Star of Hope was very instrumental in giving them things that they need. They're actually letting these people go the next step so that you're not closing it with nowhere to go. You're closing it with a destination right. and telling these people, now is the time. We have the money. Right. We have the resources. Follow us. Exactly. So on a typical day, how do you decide where you're going to go and what do you have in your van? So um, our day starts off with prayer. We, we are led by the Spirit. There are times where we will be passing an area and we feel in our heart, well, I need to go turn back this. I need to go look down this trailhead that I just saw looking, going down the, the feeder road because mm -hmm. more than likely there's a camp down there. We are led a lot by the spirit of where God, where God is already working Amen. and with, with people, with clients. Um, we try to have a schedule to where Monday through Friday we are hitting a certain area of town. Harris County is very, very big. And, and John and I are the only people at Star of Hope out here doing this, taking care of the whole county. And you each have one van. Each yes. have one van. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. Um, in the van, we carry everything from T-shirts to socks. Socks is a very important thing that the homeless people need. We have shoes at times. Um, we do have hygiene items. We do have snack-type foods. Um, also, whatever a church may, may uh, decide to donate um, we go through go through the the big refrigerator, the walk-in refrigerator at the, our warehouse every day, and and uh, like last couple of days we had a we had a uh, donation of some big chocolate chip and and vanilla type or sugar cookies in bags, and so we took some of those out there to try to bless people. Um, we have of course water. We give out a lot of water. Um, just we try to think of everything that we can have to try to meet some of the needs. When it's mm -hmm. cold, we always have blankets. Mm -hmm. When it's cold, we give out a lot of blankets, a lot of jackets. Um, but people will take blankets year-round because they use them as padding right. to extra layers and, and stuff. So And they get dirty out there. Yeah, I'm just visualizing this as you're describing, and I hope the people uh, listening are doing the same thing. It's, it's not just water and a pat on the head. It's right. so much more than that. Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, a lot of people here in our administration office and our development team uh, tell people who are looking to volunteer or do something nice for Star of Hope to put together hope bags. And these are Ziploc bags, which have the basic necessities. The way mm -hmm. I describe it is if somebody was uh, waking up on the street they don't have anything. So let's supply them with, oh, I'd say travel-sized deodorant mm -hmm. and shampoo and toiletries, uh, toothpaste, a toothbrush, maybe a washcloth. 
Right. Uh, you know, throw one of those cookies in there, maybe some socks, mm-hmm. uh, and and most indeed, put in a note of encouragement. Absolutely. You know, hey, we know you're here. Absolutely. God loves you. That's right. You yeah. know, that type of thing, because that makes such a difference. Yes, indeed. It does. They need that more than the actual items. Absolutely. Because they are invisible to mm-hmm. a lot of people out there. Yes, they and are. And they used to be invisible to me. I can tell you that. And that is the biggest thing is they need that personal relationship. That's they right. need to be acknowledged that, hey, I'm here. Yes. Wave at me. Yes. Smile at me. Say hello, something. I'm here. I know many of them characterize themselves as stinky, invisible people. Yes, sir. People go way out of their way not to make eye contact with. And in many cases, even if, if you don't intend to interact, if, if you see somebody on the street, you know, make eye contact with them. Acknowledge their existence. And that brings up a lot of other questions. Are, first of all, are there a lot of women out there on the streets? There are more than needs to be for sure. There, there are a lot more men than women on the streets. Absolutely. But we do encounter women um, in various situations. Anything from domestic violence uh, where they've had to flee or they're living in their vehicle. We find a lot more women living in vehicles than men mm-hmm. out there. Um, yeah, it's a smaller percentage, but there still are some women out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I this week I also came encounter a couple of the uh of my clients, I have a lady that's living uh, in the back of a grocery store um, in an astro van, and it's her and a dog, and she's living out there, and uh, she's been out there four years. Her husband passed away five years ago, and after he passed away, you know, she she had some she had a hard time dealing with his passing, and it led her to the streets. And so she's been living behind a grocery store for the past four years, um, just her and her dog. And I checked on her just this past week, and she's moved another lady in with her. So now it's two ladies and a dog living behind a grocery store. And, and I'm doing outreach with them and building relationships that, so that we can try to assess her and help her to uh, get back into some housing um, and off the streets. So definitely, and that's, you know, the streets is not a place for women. And so mm-hmm. definitely we do come in contact with, with women that have needs and, and that we can minister to. And um, we're, we're actively engaging and working with her to try to help her uh, to, to get off the streets. Now, John, how, do, how does somebody like that take that advice? I mean, they've been there for four years. They're pretty ensconced in what they're doing. Uh, there's a lot of mental illness out there. There's a... There's a lot of drugs out there, so they're probably not making right decisions after four years. So when you say, listen, I can do this, I can help you with housing, I can do how are they taking that? Well, I, the, getting the, giving the outreach and giving them the um, things that we can come and meet um, immediate needs helps us to build relationships with our clients. And as we build those relationships with them, then we talk to them about their quality of life, um, a lot of it is uh, living in a car is a place not meant for human inhabitant. So we, we, we walk, try to walk them through the steps of how do we improve the quality of your life? You know, what, what are the barriers that are getting in your way that are allowing you to want to live in this current situation? 
and a lot of it's fear. A lot of it's they they uh, they, they become complacent and, and comfortable in that situation. Mm-hmm. This particular lady, the business owner, is allowing her to use electricity to so she can live out of her vehicle, and so sometimes people out in the community have the heart to help but they're not helping in the right way they're make sometimes make the clients comfortable to be out on the streets and i think you know i i appreciate what the business owner is trying to do but in in some ways that's making her comfortable in that situation to where she she feels like i can stay here and and and, and not move forth right and so you know we want to be able to uh, uh encourage her and talk to her about having a better quality of life and moving forward from um, getting off the streets and back into um, a safe place and a home. And that probably takes more than one conversation. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It does. It takes a a long, every case is different, but you just, it's building that relationship. And as over time, you're, 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 you're trying to build to where they can uh, move forth in their life in a positive direction. Do you get to a point where maybe you're uh, at an encampment or on the street corner or in the woods and you talk to some people and they are ready to get into your van right then and there and you take them back? There are some instances like that. Yes, yes. I've I've had some instances like that. Um, One of the questions I always ask, um, is this getting old yet? Because that's something that they all say to each other. You know, this is getting old. They do get tired of it. Even if they've been out there for years and years, there you reach a point to where it gets it gets old. They're, it's survival mode. Mm-hmm. It's really not living. It's surviving, mm-hmm. and it and it can be pretty difficult times. It can wear on you. And and yes, there are have been times where it's like, okay, I'm ready to I'm ready, and it, you just hit that that spot where God's already working in their lives. And I've had people the very first time that I meet them and show some love, show some kindness, that they break down and start crying and say, I'm ready. I need help. I can't do this on my own. Tell me about drugs. People are surviving, living day by day, because they're masking a lot of it with drugs. Mm -hmm. Even being out on the street for as little as three or four months in that survival mode, a person can develop PTSD. Mm -hmm. They're they're always having to watch their back. they steal from each other because they're in survival mode. It creates a lot of anxiety, some depression about where they are. And, and, and a lot of people turn to something to try to meet that need, try to numb that pain. And there is everything from heroin to methamphetamines to the, the latest stuff, the new, the Kush which is just very, very bad stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's really affecting people's, the chemical composition of their, in their brain, uh, creating lots of, lots of other issues. Um, I mean, there is, there's everything, a lot of alcoholism out, out there also. Some of the average people that are out there on the corner, what they call flying a sign, um, a lot of those people, you can kind of tell that they're, they're in their survival mode, but sometimes, especially out away from downtown in the outer areas, a lot of those people, they're just down, and, and you could approach them. You could talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they need more than that money, actually. We don't need to give money. Um, 
that is the easiest thing for an individual to do. I, I know there's a lot of individuals, there's a lot of people out here, the public has such a caring heart. You can't go hungry in Houston living on the street. There's plenty of food. True. People bring you, and, and with money mm-hmm. and everything. I, I mean, I could tell you stories about people that, that make more money than I make or more money than any of us make out there flying a sign. Yep. Because of the caring heart for people. But what they really need, unfortunately, when, when people give money, okay, it's like if God, if God is putting on your heart to help, there is so much better ways to help than actually just giving them money. Number one, engage them and, at, you know, f- treat them like a person. Say hello to them. If they're hungry, buy them a hamburger. Talk with them a little bit. Hey, I just want to, you know, share this with you and I brought you a meal and, and just kind of hear a little bit of their story. Um, unfortunately, when, when people are out on the street and making a lot of money, they're not going to usually use that to to get their IDs, to buy the, some of their necessities. A lot of it goes towards feeding their addiction mm-hmm. first. Unfortunately, it goes to that it's first. That's true. true. And then the leftover would be for food. Uh, it only costs $16 to get a new Texas ID. And they make that, they can make that every hour easily. Mm-hmm. So if a church member or uh, somebody in a, in a big office calls you up and says, hey, listen, there's this guy that he's come to us and he needs some help and I don't know what to do. Do they call you? Do they call Star of Hope? Do they call the police? So we get a lot of calls from concern callers, from businesses, from churches in through Star of Hope. And yes, the, the first thing you do is would be to call uh, Star of Hope, call the Hope Center. Uh, those calls get funneled through to mm-hmm. us, and we directly interact with the people, the callers, the ones that, that have seen the homeless people. And we, we go out and we investigate every single one of them. Um, we, we go and try to interact with the clients that they've seen and try to help um, determine, you know, what kind of needs they, they have. And the number is 713 713- Seven four eight zero seven hundred, and they can be directed from that point on, right? Yes, sir. Seven one three seven four eight zero seven hundred. John, you've been, you've been sitting here learning and <laughs> and uh, sharing your information with us. You have anything else to add? Um, I think that's interesting. Um, you know, giving to Star of Hope is wonderful. You know, Star of Hope is our mission is we're a Christ-centered community. Uh, dedicated to meeting the needs of homeless men, women, and children, mm-hmm. and um, we have uh, structured uh, programs that meet uh, spiritual, the spiritual needs of, of, of our clients um, through, uh, you know, um, education and employment, life management, and recovery from substance abuse. So it's a great place, nonprofit organization, to give uh, your money and your resources to because we're committed to uh, meeting the holistic needs of men, women, and their children. And so I, I, I'm, I definitely um, think that's a better place for concerned citizens and caring Houstonians in, uh, to give their money to because that's what we're committed to doing. And we're just an extension of that in the outreach of, of being the hands, the, uh, the feet, 
uh, in the voice of Jesus out loving on people to build that relationship so they can come into a, a program such as Star of Hope. Well, thank you so much for what you do, guys. And folks, if, if you happen to pass a Love in Action van on the street or, or stopped at a corner, honk your horn. Say thanks to these guys, these saints on wheels. You guys are amazing. Hey, by the way, if you'd like an up-close, first-hand look at what it's like to be homeless on the streets, check out an Emmy-nominated documentary film by Star of Hope featuring KSBJ's morning DJ Carter Price and others as they experience three days totally homeless on the streets of Houston. It's called In Their Shoes. If you want to look it up, you can find it on Star of Hope's Vimeo channel and on our website as well. And that is it for today. Till next time, this is Scott Arthur saying, keep a soul full of joy and a heart filled with hope. This has been a moment of hope. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and share it on social media. To donate or to learn how to benefit from services provided by Star of Hope, go to SOHmission.org.